the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Thanks for joining us. This is the Bible Live. And we are ready to for the next 90 minutes to talk about all things biblical. Take your phone calls. And just um, kind of finish up our consideration of the books of First and Second Chronicles. That's where we are in our reading through the Bible. Every year we read from Genesis all the way to the book of the Revelation in the New Testament. So you get to hear the Bible read a good, clear, uh, a little immodest of me, but a, bit, a perfect, a perfect <laughs> reading. Um, thanks to the miracle of editing, right, John? Um, this, um, we can make it through. We have the good, the New Living Translation. We read through it every year. We have finished up this past week chapters nineteen through thirty-six of the book of Second Chronicles. And so we'll give you a recap in case you're joining us for the first time this evening. Uh, Al is here at my side, my faithful sidekick and good friend from many, many years. Dr. Al Johnson is uh, here, and we're going to be talking about these final chapters and this final, these final decades of the uh, nation of Israel, the two tribes in the south, Judah and Benjamin, uh, if you know something of the history there, and I hope you do, where that's one of the purposes we do the Bible Live, is so you can begin to think through and understand the biblical narrative and the history of, of the Scriptures. And um, know the Bible, know the Scriptures broadly in terms of their scope and their and their general flow, but also then coming down to ap- applying the principles, both to our personal lives, our families, our individual experiences, and uh, particularly, I think, in light of the book of Chronicles, this is such a remarkable period of history, these final decades. Uh, and I say final because in 586 B.C., of course, one of the key dates of uh, King, the emperor of, of uh, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, came with his armies, the Persian armies, and they destroyed the temple and the city of Jerusalem. There was incredible suffering, great death, great uh, 
it, it was just a, a terrible moment for uh, the nation of Israel. And uh, so they were destroyed. Then they had 70 years of exile. Remember Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Uh, they were taken into the exile. And uh, in, what was it, uh, 605, 605 B.C.? And then in 597, there was another invasion. And then in 586, we see the temple destroyed and so on. So we're, we're in those final decades moving to that, that time of judgment and that terrible uh, downfall of the nation of Israel. And so we're going to be looking at tonight particularly about uh, we've talked about the historical perspective of the books of first and second chronicles we've talked about uh the reasons for their judgment the the reasons uh, they fell some of the characteristics that caused them to lose their bearings and to kind of finally um they were in a downward spiral anyway but finally they just they crashed and they crashed and burned and so we're going to talk a little bit about tonight i think we're going to focus a little bit on the practicalities of what what kind of similarities could there might exist between what happened to the nation of Israel and their downfall and their destruction and what we might be seeing happening in our world today um, particularly especially with our own country with the nation of America many people are bemoaning and uh, many we're, we're obviously at a, in a state of great confusion we're obviously in a state of division we're very divided everybody is making notice of that uh, i think in the culture uh, whatever medium you might pay attention to television radio uh, internet uh, social media and so on uh, the word is that we are divided and so on and there um so we seem to be headed in some ways in that same downward spiral. And, there, and we could talk about some of the practicalities of what we're seeing and, and some of the similarities uh, that we might observe in the nation of Israel and, some, and what might be done. You know, what is it that, that would, uh, you know, God is at work on planet Earth still. The same God that was... Uh, uh, sovereign over the affairs of men and nations in that era, in that time, the same God is uh, in control today, and with the same, with the same priorities. And, and particularly, I'm talking about the harvest. Uh, God is is focused on the harvest. When, how do we? Uh, now, obviously, it was a different time in the sense it was pre-messianic. The Messiah had not come yet. And so God was still at work in terms of the harvest. The, the phase was still in the time of preserving this people group of Israel and using them as he had promised, uh, covenanted with them to do, using them as, a, as a, an instrument of, of uh, his redemptive plan. The Messiah was still to come through the people of Israel so that God did not abandon them entirely. They did not dissolve and, and go away and disappear uh, miraculously, truly miraculously. They were brought back after 70 years of exile, which was totally, totally un, not done. That was uh, no emperor had ever returned 
a group of people. Now, this idea of taking people groups into exile when they had been defeated and, and uh, destroyed, that was not new. Um, the people of Assyria did that, and Nineveh, they marched the ten tribes in the north off, uh, took them into exile, and they never returned. Um, you know, the the emperor never returned people back to their own land because that would be asking for rebellion on their part and so on. So um, that just didn't happen. But it had been predicted earlier by Isaiah that a king named Cyrus, even by name, 300 years before it happened, would allow the people of Israel to, they would be taken into exile and then be allowed to return. And so, and it happened. Cyrus the Great came about uh, when the Medo-Persian Empire defeated Babylon and Cyrus the Great came along and under the influence of Daniel and perhaps others uh, there in the nation that were in exile, uh, perhaps uh, the experience of Esther and others, but influenced by them, he gave permission for the people of Israel to return after 70 years of exile and uh, so that's that's where we were. we We were looking and considering we've talked about the books of chronicles and it's a it's a special history that was written by a uh, scribe named Ezra and uh, that just it, it was a selected history though it didn't like the books of first and second kings uh, or even the earlier the books of Samuel. Uh, he only focused on the kings of the north. Uh, I'm sorry, of the south of Judah. He didn't bring in the kings of the tribes of Israel in the north. He um, he focused on preparing people, reminding people of their legacy, of their historical um, experience, the covenant with God. He was trying to remind the people who returned from exile who they were. Uh, of their foundations, of the, of the basic foundations upon which their nation had been founded, and uh, and was trying to remind them of those of their God, of of the truths of following their God, and so he gave this selected history to them so that they could uh, recuperate as they returned to the nation, they could uh, return as well to worshiping uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they could uh, be reminded of their role in the redemptive plan of God uh, that through them would come the Messiah. And that would happen. The Messiah would come, uh, what was it, I guess maybe 500 years later now. The the 70 years of exile, we do have a phone number, 210-340-9585, 210-340-9585. Is our phone number? We'll be glad to take a call from you. Uh, we have a comment, a question, an observation that you might want to make about our nation today, the world as we see it today. What is happening? We are in a different phase of human history. We're in a different phase of the redemptive plan of God. We are post messianic. The Messiah has come. He has presented Himself. He, uh, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, and the message of redemption and the message of salvation has uh, that God has offers to the people of of uh, the human race that that message has now spread across the world around every people group every nation every tribe every language group around planet earth 
there is a witness. There is an understanding of who Jesus was. And we are living in the times still of the harvest. But uh, we think late, late in the harvest. These are the... I, I think I will, I will just say that, I, and it's and I'm no, I don't think that in a way that oh Jesus is coming you better get your heart right and that's always true. It could be another thousand years I suppose. Uh, somehow I just find it hard to imagine. I don't know how uh, the rubber band can be wound any tighter than we see it on the planet Earth today. There's so many, uh, so much tension and so many, um, so many ways we're ready to explode already. Uh, that it seems like we must be. We, we obviously are in a later period than than uh, than Ezra was here in, in the nation of Israel. Uh, but we'll see. You know, we'll, the Lord. The next thing will be the Lord coming. And however you look at that, the whether it, you know how He comes and, and, and what the timing would be and so on. The application is still the same. Be ready. Be ready. Be busy. Uh, knowing the Lord, walking with the Lord, serving the Lord in in our world and we'll see what happens but we want to talk a little bit tonight about what are the practical lessons for us in even in america today and in our world today what are some of the practical uh similarities between these times and the times of ezra and nehemiah and these years of israel um coming back from the yukup on as the people of this nation today we're not israel Israel had a very special, specific place in the redemptive plan of God. Uh, and so we're not Israel, So we don't, we're, uh, but we, we are a nation that God has blessed and used, and we, and we can find our place uh, and perhaps recuperate our place in the redemptive plan of God for this era in which we're living. So there we have it. That's my, that's my preview of the program tonight. You can give us a call if you'd like, and we can talk about these things from First and Second Chronicles. 210-340-9585. Al, uh, have I spurred anything in your thinking as you... Yeah, I was going to dialogue with you a little bit. Go you ahead. You mentioned that uh, the message of the gospel has been taken to all peoples. I'm not sure that I agree with that completely. Mm-hmm. Um, the opportunity is there, but there are there are some third world countries that are very very primitive that don't have access to technology. They might not have heard the gospel yet. So I don't know that every people group has been reached yet. But it's our mission to do, mm-hmm. to continue that mm-hmm. until that is true, because that is part of the at least the way some of us believe it. When that happens, then Jesus is free to come back. Well, well he. That is one. Anytime you talk about the end times, of course, you get into all kinds of people. Some people are very specific. Uh, uh, Gog and Magog, and that's you know, Gog is that Magog is Moscow, and then I mean, I'm, I've heard all of the through you know through decades now. Uh, a lot of people have been very specific about oil and war, war and battle, and and. Iraq and Iran and China and uh, you know the army of five million or whatever it is two hundred million, yeah. million. Uh, and there are you know, there's been for decades there have been people thinking that perhaps uh, we're living in the end times and so on and I've never been that sp- specific about it I just I don't I just too many different opinions about it but it is one thing that I have grabbed onto is that Jesus himself said. When this message, this gospel is preached to 
it, all around the world, every people group, every nation. And he says, then the end will come, which seems rather unconfusing, pretty direct in, to me. So I, I just hang on to that and think, well, maybe we're living in that era and that time when when it, it's happening. And we are far, far closer to it today than we were 2,000 years ago, for sure. We're right? 2,000 years close. That culminating event, the return of the Messiah uh, to take to receive his people, to be where he is, as he has promised uh, over and over again. But, okay, so wherever we are, we are where we are, right? So um, uh, wherever we are in that plan, the harvest is still the focus, and uh, we may be another thousand years or maybe tomorrow. Well, Paul took the Thessalonians to, uh, to task about the fact that they had kind of already folded their hands on their chests and were waiting to uh, yeah. for the second coming. He said, no, wait a minute. We don't know when that is. That, that isn't what working. I meant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. keep working yeah. as though it's going to be a long time. and uh, But be ready. That was the key. Right. And again, that's, that's kind of my takeaway from almost all of the different views of the end times was wh- however you view what's going to happen, our role, our task is to be ready and to be busy uh, serving the Lord. You know, not to, you know, quit our job and sell our house and go sit on a hill and wait, you know, looking at the sky. Looking at the sky is all right. Just look for his coming. But in the meanwhile, we're busy. We're, we're sharing the Lord. We're loving the Lord. We're obeying the Lord. We're leading our families and praying for our nation and, and that we would be uh, used of God, whatever the plan looks like specifically. This would be the time. Yeah, I, I kind of think, I don't know, maybe it's just my innate optimism. Uh, you know, eh, I, I don't know how we could, I don't know what would come next, you know. I mean, but I guess people have been asking themselves that question for centuries, right? Well, we we think, have people all the time or every so often who have put together their plan for his coming his second coming. And so you got to be ready for the like an 88 reasons why the Lord is coming back in 1988 right. and writing uh-huh. a book and all of that. So I know right away then that that's not true because <laughs> what Jesus said. Yeah. You don't, don't know them. I don't know when I'm coming back because yeah. the Father's going to tell me that. What is it? The day nor the hour? You know, yeah. there's there's no specifics. Um maybe maybe a season, maybe broad scope. Uh, we we don't know that's for sure. Well, here we go. Well, let's get into First and Second Chronicles a bit. Uh, talk about uh, this time this week. Let's look at some of the specifics. Uh, one of our listeners called this la- last Sunday. Uh, I, I believe Rachel called, and uh, she took away a, a nice little prize. We were able to send her a couple of books, uh, children's books. Actually, she had a couple of nephews, if I remember correctly, or nieces. And uh, so we sent her a good prize. We have another gift that we can send to a listener tonight. Uh, if um, And we'll put out some questions in a little bit and give people a chance to maybe call in and win a beautiful um, military-style study Bible. It, it's, a, it's a great Bible. The Warriors, we'll read it. What, the Warriors, the Warfighters Study Bible. Uh, Armed Services Ministry, as you know, uh, I, I work with crew, Campus Crusade for Christ, crew military, and we, uh, uh, our 
function here on all the different military bases in San Antonio and across the United States, for that matter. Our special little uh, niche, our niche, if you say it in the, the French way, is uh, working with the gateways, with the basic trainees going into to the United States Air Force out at uh, Lackland here. But we work with the basic trainees, Air Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines, all across the United States, uh, our gateways military ministry. And then, of course, we there are lots of folks working with permanent party uh, personnel as well across the U.S. And that's um, that's where we get some of these materials that are coming from the military community. And, of course, we live in Military City, USA, and so we have this uh, Warfighter Study Bible. It really is a nice Bible, lots of great study notes, very complete commentaries, and so on. So I'm going to give that away tonight to some listener. Somehow or other, we'll figure out a way. Maybe we'll ask some questions. Uh, from the book of Chronicles and see who can call in and answer those. Rachel called in last week and won those books by answering the question about Obed Adom. Uh, not Obed, the uh, grandfather of David, the father of, of Jesse, but Obed Adom. And uh, this, uh, the grandfather of Jesse, of course, is from the tribe of Judah, as was David. But Obed Adom here was a Levite from the tribe of Levi, the Levites, and uh, he was the one blessed because he was willing to, he and his family kept the Ark of the Covenant in their home after David's uh, disastrous attempt to move the Ark into Jerusalem. Uh, so they decided to take three steps backwards and kind of get the, the, their lives in order and kind of remember what were the, what were the uh, instructions that God gave about moving the uh, Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, they had to call Allied Moving Company. The Levites were involved. Yeah, the Levitical Moving Company, that's what they needed to do for sure. So anyway, we, we were uh, Rachel won a, a nice little prize last week, and we have this Warfighter Study Bible available to you uh, for calling in this evening, and we'll, we'll get into our consideration of Chronicles but again, tonight we're going to talk about Chronicles in, this, in the practical sense of what were some of the big characteristics of the, the era of the Chronicles, of the, the, the fall. We're coming now, even in Chronicles, we're coming to now the, the final decades before uh, Jerusalem is destroyed. And uh, so we want to look at those and, and make some practical applications to our lives into the world situation today. So that's kind of broad strokes what we're going to try to do today, uh, this evening. So if you want to give us a call, 210-340-9585. Maybe you have a suggestion or an idea about what are some of the similarities, what uh, you see in our world today. We're very divided in our nation, as they were at that time. There was very a lot of power-hungry people were grabbing for power. That seemed to be the big... There was a lot of wrestling and struggling for who could get the power, who could be in charge, uh, uh, even of a decaying, uh, degenerate, degenerating world. They wanted to be in charge when it happened, evidently. So we see some of that going on in our own culture and nation as well. What other similar similarities might you see between these uh, final years of uh, leading up to the fall of Jerusalem? You can give us a call, 
9585. Um, this, this time period, we're going to cover the period of Athaliah as well. That's, that's, maybe I should put out that question. If someone wants, you can give me a call, 210-340-9585. Remind us of who this very important, very central personality not not a hero by any means, but Athaliah. Uh, if you can tell me who Athaliah was, we're going to put your name down on our slip of paper, and we're going to give you a chance to win this Warfighter Study Bible. We'll have a drawing at the end of our uh, program and give somebody this beautiful new Bible if you'd like to win it for yourself or for a loved one, for a college student, for someone that in your life, in, in your circle. So give us a call, 210-340-9585. And it only takes like a spark to get a The Bible Live will return. We're going to take our first break now. We'll come back. Don't you go away. And uh, we'll, consider, we'll continue our considerations of the books of First and Second Chronicles. That's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, you spread His love to everyone. You want to pass it on. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590-7878. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back. This is the Bible Live. We are making our way through the entire Bible every year. Uh, we're now in the books of First and Second Chronicles. We've kind of given. Uh, we've been in these books for what? And this is our third Sunday, I think to focus on this selected history written by the scribe Ezra uh, somewhere in the latter part of the 6th century, uh, the late, uh, only around 500 B.C. 
what what are the seven years? Does anyone uh, know? I, I tell you what I'll do. I'll put this out there on as well. Remember that uh, it was told, it predicted that Israel would be uh, taken into exile, that they would be, uh, God was going to judge them as a nation for their uh, sin and for their failure to uh, to live up to their part of the covenant that God had established with uh, the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they were to be taken into exile, and we were told by Jeremiah, and, and I believe as well by Isaiah, that there would be 70 years of exile. And and uh, the question we put out there for folks, if you happen to know, why was 70 years the period of time of the exile? Uh, and the second question I want to ask, if, if you can answer it, uh, and all of this is so you can call in and, and we can talk a little bit about it, get you a chance to um, not show off. That's not our point, but to, to, to you know, kind of show up your knowledge of the scriptures and what you understand from them. So what, what was the uh, 70 years? Why was it a 70 year period? And then secondly, when was the 70 years? What would how would you measure the 70 year period? Um if it was to be 70 years, it was to be 70 years. How would you measure? Do you happen to know that, Uncle Al? I, I do not recall the uh-huh. exact moment. Well, we're not actually told for sure what it was, but there are several theories about what the 70-year period was, but I would take any of those if someone wants to give us a call. 210-340-9585. 210 9585 and uh, uh Stacy has joined us so we're glad to have uh my, my daughter Stacy on board how are you doing I'm good how's my thank beautiful, you how's my beautiful granddaughter and my grandson how are they doing are they they're good yes said I'm sorry I'm, I missed the first segment we had a surprise a surprise little snack <laughs> surprise, surprise meeting, snack. So. Okay. Sorry about that. Well, we got we got yeah. dad, we got dad busy now uh, helping out yes. with the baby, and you're free to join okay. us. Well, you've kind of heard what we we're addressing tonight from the from the books of the the Chronicles, uh, and I've got a, some questions about who was Athaliah, what was the seventy year period, um, why seventy years, and then also when were how do we measure those seventy years. And so uh, we got those out there tonight, letting people give us a call, 210-340-9585. And then we can talk about a little bit about some of the practical uh, applications to America even today, to uh, San Antonio, mm-hmm. to Texas, to America. In the world that we live in today, are there similarities? Are there things, lessons that we could learn? Uh, as Because we are, too, in a, a very confusing, uh, very it seems like difficult time in history. Uh, the the clock seems well. The, de- the definitely the clock is winding down uh, every year that goes by. We're closer to the coming of, of the return of Messiah, but um, is it imminent? Is it near? Uh, do, what things do we see going on in the world that might point us toward that? And what similarities might we see in our own specific nation? Now, of course, America is not Israel. 
role, but every nation has a role in God's economy. God uh, loves the whole world, not just Israel. And it was always, all through the scriptures, it's always about the redemptive plan of the true and living God for all of humanity. So it's all of, all, all of these nations had a role in, in, uh, in the plan of God, whether it was uh, Babylon or whether it was the Medo-Persians that defeated the Babylon Empire, the Assyrians, the Moabites. And we notice we come into the book of Chronicles when the, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Edomites from, southern, from south of Israel, they had led their armies against Jehoshaphat, uh, the king of of uh, Judah, uh, and so you know there was a period they they were under attack by these smaller uh, nations as well from the south, and of course they were threatened by uh, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar um, from the north, and so th- there were a lot of a lot of threats, a lot of dangers going around, and so it's same as today. Uh, America, in some ways, is under um, attack. Uh, there, there are threats. Not, I don't know how to say it. We, we're, we, of course, are a reigning uh, empire uh, over planet Earth for the last what fifty to hundred years, I suppose. We're a major power, uh, not empirical in the pure sense of taking over nations and you know sending them into exile and so on. Uh, never that sense, but we've uh, we've We've taken our toll on the on the world. I mean, we've established our kingdom in a way, um, economically more than militarily, I suppose. But following uh, World War One, World War Two, Korean conflict, Vietnam, and so on, we've um, we have been the reigning primary world power for the for at last fifty, sixty, seventy five years, I suppose we might call it. So what what lessons can we learn now that we find ourselves down in a in that kind of a downward spiral? Uh, at least some people would say that. I'd love to hear from our listeners about uh, your thoughts. Athaliah, who was Athaliah? Where the seventy year period? Why seventy years? What? How do we measure the seventy year period? Give us a call two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five if you'd like to sound off, and we're going to put your name in our drawing for this uh, beautiful new warfighter study Bible that you can take for yourself or you could give it to a, someone you love and care about and let them um, have this this great, great spiritual asset. It's, it's not only a Bible, but a great study Bible, great study notes, maps, and so on. Uh, you'll, I think you'll really enjoy it. So give us a call, 210-340-9585. And Alan has already done that. So let me see if I can bring Alan up and make him a part of the program as well. Alan, thanks for calling. We appreciate hearing from you. I'd like to try to answer your second question. Okay. The one about... uh, When the 70-year occurred. When the 70-year period occurred. Yeah, good. There is a little... It's not controversial, but there's there's several... Kind of thoughts about it. Uh, which well, one? Well, you... the first the first invasion was in 605 BC, right? And then, uh, and then the, the the Jews that returned back to Jerusalem was about 535. Five thirty five. Five. Okay. Five. Yes. Yeah, something 535 like that. Would make, make it seventy years. Yeah. Uh huh. 
So 605 to 535. Very good. Yeah, that's 70 years. My math. Do you get the same mathematical uh, 70 years there, Dr. Johnson? I, I agree. That is 70 years. Um, interesting. That That's not the period that I've settled on, but it is a very interesting uh, time. Turn the first group, I believe, into around 535 at least. And so uh, we're going to give you a round of applause and a, and a well done because that is a very – oh, I, I, I thought I would. Let me see. There it is right there. This is for you, Alan. <laughs> Thanks for uh, coming with a good answer. Uh, I, I kind of – I've self, myself, I have fallen upon the dates of 586 was when the, temp, the temple in Jerusalem were destroyed and 515 when the – uh, altar of the temple was finished and completed. We're, we're given that date in the book of Chronicles. Uh, the time of, from the destruction of the temple to the altar and the, the temple essentially being reestablished. I've kind of fallen on those days. But it's all arbitrary. We're not quite sure. No one actually says, hey, that's the 70-year period. But do you happen to know, Alan, why 70 years? The, uh I don't know. It seems kind of that's arbitrary. That's a generation. That's a generation. Well, I, I, I think it's considered a little bit more uh, in the generation, something like 30, 40 years, biblical generation. Okay. I think I've heard 40 years, but through the years. And, of course, none of this is, you know, written in stone. We're just kind of sharing our different yeah, ideas. I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that one. Do you, Dr. John, I Dr. Do, Johnson? I, I do not. Uh, I wonder if Stacy knows the answer. Why 70 <laughs> this sounds like an Everton Costello you know, comedy bit. Why seventy? Um, was it? Was it prophesied? Wasn't it? Wasn't it prophesied? Was it? Wasn't it what, honey? It was prophesied, but why? Yeah, but why seventy years? What was the? Why was it prophesied? Why was it? Pro- was that no, no, the? Um, not why was it prophesied? But why the number seventy? Was that the? Um, what did that have to do with the Levitical when it was a every seventy years marked like was it a jubilee? What what is the um Yes is kind of the, the mark right of starting starting over? You're on the right track, yeah. They were supposed okay. to okay. observe a, a not a jubilee but a, a the land was to lay fallow every seven years. And mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to be embarrassed here, too, because I don't know exactly the exact passage. But um, it was said that for the years they did not do that, they did not obey God, that the land would be, there would be, in other words, God was punishing for the years that they did not let the land lie follow, which came out to 10 times 7, which... That's that's all I can say. <laughs> I don't know, I, and I don't even actually remember where that passage is. Maybe someone someone could Google that for us, or we can Google it here in the studio and find out. But it had to do with uh, they did not obey the command of God to let the land lie follow every seven year follow every seven years, and it, seventy was the number that came up, and that's where they got the seventy years. I know it's somewhere. I, I can't remember myself exactly where it is either. Alan, that that my my brain went a little bit, <laughs> uh, but I I do believe that that is 
where the number 70 came from. So that helps us okay. a little bit. But uh, thank you for calling in, Alan. You, your name is in our list. Now, John, I'm not going to hang up. I'm going to try to put you on hold here. And John's going to take down your name. And uh, we're crossing our fingers that we can get your name and your uh, a phone number would be helpful so that I can, we're going to have a drawing at the end of our program for this beautiful new warfighter study Bible. And I hope you get a, you know, good shot at winning it. You'll enjoy it. It's a great prize um, either for you or a gift that you can get to someone you care about too. So uh, hang on the line here. I'm going to put you on hold. And if I know how to do this, let's see if I can do it. Um, Mm -hmm. hmm. What do you think, John? What should I, what button should I push? Now, hey, listen, Alan, if we aren't successful, would you be willing to give a call back and just talk to John off air and he, he'll he take down that? No, no problem. All I right, can. Let's see if we can do this. We're going to try it. Are you still there with us? I'm still here. Okay, we tried. I think soft. Try soft. Uh-oh, yeah. Did that do it? I think we did it. I think Alan is in hold land. <laughs> He's in the oh, wow. I did find the um, the passages, Dad. Uh-huh. Good. It looks as if it's in a couple of places. Well, in Leviticus 25, Leviticus 20 through 22 and 26, I think is where it talks about uh, when it, you know, it should lay, it should, um, lay rest, the land should be at rest. Uh-huh. Um, Second Chronicles thirty six, I guess. So all all three, probably Leviticus twenty six, but it coincides with the apparent number of violations by the people of Judah right. of God's command that the land should rest every seventh year. Well, I so, that came, came out yeah. of the dark recesses of my memory. You were right. There it is. That's cute. Yeah, interesting. All right. Okay. Uh, uh, Dr. Johnson has something on his brain, I, I can tell. Every, his lips are moving. Every seven <laughs> uh, years of seven, then a jubilee year, uh-huh. one full year. So 49 years, that 50th year was a year of jubilee uh-huh. where they weren't also too. Uh, right. So that's where the jubilee came from, was right. it every 49 years or 50 years period, uh, of seven cycles of these seven-year periods. So anyway, we've got another caller already, so Franklin wants to weigh in as well. Oh, Franklin. Hi, Franklin. Oh, you fabulous people. God <laughs> well, bless you. Oh, you fabulous man. We're glad to hear from well, you. Well, rode hard and put up wet, but outside <laughs> of that, I'm doing all right. You rid hard, rid hard and put up wet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, it depends on what part of South Texas you're from. <laughs> That's right. Good to hear from you, pal. Are you going well, to tell us about who was Athaliah, that. or are you going to tell us about Well, I'm going to have to or give a stab at it because uh, the, uh, the, the, the 70 years, that's that's – I, I, that one I got. Okay. I knew. Yeah. But uh, uh, I'm going to say Athali was uh, a king of Judah, and he was, I believe, the last king of Judah. And he was he not the one that was taken to Babylon, had his eyes put out, and he was taken in Babylon and lived there till he died. No, that was not Athaliah. Nope. But that was uh, was a different king. But you, you, you're. You, you got the characters themselves, and um, I guess we have one of these problems here with with, uh, with Franklin tonight. It highlights another problem that we're experiencing in our world today, and that is the gender problem. 
We have a uh, little bit of a gender problem with Athaliah. Well, yeah, his mom had tried to take over the kingdom, and wasn't he the boy king then? That was Josiah. You're in the ballpark. That was Josiah. Yeah, no, was I'm, Josiah. Like, I'm just not. I'm not hitting on all eight. Well, today. that's all right. You're doing just fine. Athaliah was the first and only queen of Israel. Uh, she, of course. Yeah, yeah. She well. Um, yeah. Athaliah was the mother of Jezebel, if I remember uh, correctly. And she, Jezebel, as you know, was a a, a queen and a priestess of uh, Baal. Yeah, of Baal. Yeah, from Phoenicia, and she married Jehoram, the the son of um, was it Jehoshaphat, um, uh, one of the kings. Yes, it was Jehoshaphat. Uh, yeah. And he yeah, was. I, I have a question about Jehoshaphat. Too. Yeah, yeah. Tell me that question. Where in the world I have not been able to see anywhere in the Bible about Jehoshaphat's jumping capabilities? The yet you have jumping Jehoshaphat. <laughs> jumping Jehoshaphat. Yes. I Where don't know. in the world did that come from? I have no idea, but I bet you could Google it and it would tell you. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I, I have Googled it, and it didn't really. He told me who Jehoshaphat was, but didn't get any references about him leaping about. <laughs> well, <laughs> as as Grandpa always says, ask the Google. <laughs> ask the ask Google. Google. There you can find uh, it I try there. to avoid a Google whenever possible. I know what you mean. Anyway. Jumping Jehoshaphat. Yeah. That's exactly right. But it is an interesting name. I don't even know what it means. That would be a good question. What does the Because these names... Somehow had it has meaning. Something with God. I would think Jehovah. So. You don't yeah. see you don't see L in the name, but Jehovah. Jehovah no. It would seem like it would have something to do with it. But we're going to well, put maybe your he name. Was a little portly. Maybe. Maybe, maybe he was that, a little portly. That's where the fat came from. And maybe he couldn't jump. Maybe it was the opposite. Of, <laughs> I don't know. But we're going to put <laughs> your name in our drawing, and hopefully you well, might get a chance you. to That's, win this. You really ought not to because I didn't get any questions right. Hey, so you, you called in. Better. You contributed to the program. and so. Well, I listen to you guys all the time. We're so, glad to hear you, know. you. We are glad to hear and, from your friend. How are you yeah, and your family? How's that baby doing? Oh, the baby's well, good. Well, it's, it's not a good story. Uh, please say prayers for my wife, Karen, and, okay. and uh, my assistant, uh, Deborah. All right. Deborah's doing better now. She had kidney stones and a real bad problem. Oh, my but, goodness. That's, uh, uh, those are yeah, Karen had a, had a, a complete hysterectomy and a uh, colonectomy, uh, about nine inches of her colon they took out. They think they're going to be able to reattach it, but right now uh, she's out of the hospital, but she's in a skilled nursing facility. Okay. And so she's Father. still got a lot of pain, and uh, hopefully she'll be able to get more back on her feet and eventually get home. Father, please be with Franklin and his loved ones and his wife and just his family there going through some struggles health-wise and some challenges. We just pray that you would we, – we know you're with them. And so when I pray that you'll be with them, uh, I know you're with them. You're everywhere present at every moment. But you're very you're with them in that very personal, committed sense. You're, you're, you're with them. And I pray that Franklin and his family, each member, each one, would be able to experience and sense your presence, sense your very special love, your watch care over them and their lives, and, and, and healing. We pray for healing power to work in their oh. in them, Lord, that you created these bodies so wonderfully, so magnificently. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, 
and you've given us the ability to heal and to uh, strengthen. And, and I pray that you would uh, do that very special, miraculous work as the great physician in, in the, uh, each of their lives these nights. And we're so well. blessed. We're so Thank blessed you, that God walks with us. And also, the good side is no cancer. Amen. Good. Okay. Yes, Thank you very much. Very good news. You God bet, bless Franklin. you all. God bless you. Thanks for calling in. Okay. We'll, good night. We'll see you about the the uh, drawing at the end of the program. Good night. And so we've got, okay, just a few minutes. Boy, this segment sped by, didn't it? But a couple of good callers and good good information and act, act there. Uh, Athaliah was, uh, uh, it, it, was, it was a very, that was probably the most risky, darkest period of the, History of the Judah uh, is that they would be they, the very the very promise the very covenant that God had with the lineage of David was put at risk because every one of David's uh, every one of David's descendants was wiped out. Athaliah managed to kill all the lineage of David, which I, I don't know what would have happened if. If David's lineage was cut off entirely, uh, God would have had to done some other greater work of miracle and greater work of grace, I suppose. But but one survived uh, miraculously. The wife of Jehoiada was also a daughter of of um, kin to the to the Phoenician Empire. But she went the other way. She married the high priest of Israel and converted to follow after Jehovah. And she, ironically, was the one who saves uh, young King Joash. She she saves his life. He's, I think, seven years old, if I remember correctly. Was kept in the uh, temple safe from her slaughter. uh, um, He was preserved, kept there for seven years. And then Athaliah was deposed and, and executed, actually, and Joash became the king, but she was the only queen uh, in the in of Israel. Uh, Athaliah was so, and and it came about because it looks like um, Jehoshaphat was so intent on bringing about the reuniting of the tribes of the northern tribes, Israel and Judah, that trying to bring them back together, that he he compromised a little bit. And had his son marry uh, someone outside that didn't worship the true and living God, and it, and it cost them uh, dearly. It was it was a real trial. Uh, Stacy, we haven't asked you about your thoughts about Chronicles. What kind of similarities when you study the period of the Chronicles? Uh, we've only got a couple of minutes left, but maybe you could be uh, a little time. We don't have time. Well, for that you know, one thing. Well, I'll put it out. Th- oh, yeah. I'll put it out there. I, I guess I'm going. You know, lately, I, I think in recent, um, a big movement. I guess that I don't think has been healthy at all. And, and but maybe for the, like the prosperity gospel, kind of the name it, claim it. The um, we are we are good and and so not and. Uh, and kind of also maybe even how Job, some of Job's friends, how they responded, well, there must be sin in your life, and that's why this is coming upon you. And that idea that we do tend to associate um, how uh, we behave with God's blessing or his 
purses, I guess. Yes. And on one hand, we know that that's that's wrong. That's that's you know, Job Sprint. God had some really choice words, you know, for that in Job. And um, but on the other hand, you know, he says there is such thing as obedience and reaps reward, and disobedience has consequences. And so maybe talking a little bit to that and how we as a nation receive that kind of that that balance of understanding. Um, what's yeah. the difference? You yeah. know. It really has to do, I think, ultimately with how are we fitting in to God's plans. Mm -hmm. And and it's kind of in harmony with what you're saying as well. We'll come back in just a few moments, folks. This is our second segment. We're coming into our final 30 minutes of the program. If you'd like to give us a call, it's 210-340-9585. We'll put out another question or two when we get back from our break. Don't you go away. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. We are back. We are back. We've got a little confusion there during the break. Coming back onto the air with you for our final segment here on the Bible Live broadcast. But we are back and are ready to take your phone calls, 210-340-9585. But we're trying to give a kind of a summary uh, wrap-up of our consideration of the books of the Chronicles. They are very interesting, and we'd like to focus a little bit on the practicality of uh, not only the events themselves and what led up to the destruction of the temple and the, the uh, Israel uh, and Jerusalem being destroyed under Nebuchadnezzar, but what does that have to say about what are some of the principles that we might glean from uh, this the, the history of Israel in this particular period when God judged them as a nation? And Stacy was talking about on what basis God judges. Um, it seems to me, and I mean, I'm just going to kind of wait, and, and Uncle Al here is also talking a little bit about, uh, you know, why 70 years, you know, 10 times 7. It might, it, it's, it's for the years they did not let the land lie fallow, is what we're told there. Uh, as Stacy brought out those passages, uh, they were to let the land lie fallow, in other words, not uh, plant uh, every seven years and let the land refresh itself, or you know, I guess is the agricultural term and the idea. And they did not do that evidently 10 times, 10 times 7 is 70. I, I, I don't know, Al. We're not told that specific. It doesn't go through the, um, through the arithmetic in the Bible, but we are told that it's because of that, yeah. them not honoring that, that command from God. Uh, now, do, uh, uh, we are going to put Franklin's name here as well, right, to um, – and if Franklin can give us a call, we need that phone number, I guess, from him. So we can – if he happens to win, we can call him back and make sure to get this Bible, study Bible in his hands. Uh, if you don't mind, Franklin, give us a call back and let's get a number for you so that we can call you back if we draw your number at the end of this uh, segment. 
So anyway, uh, we've got the 70-year period. What other similarities do we see uh, between uh, in our world today and the world of that era at that time? There's a great battle for power in the planet. There's a lot of upheaval. The United States, uh, some say, has you know, finally ended its period of greatness. It's the, uh, our empirical moment has passed and that we're on the downward slope. I don't. I'm not saying that myself, but you know, some people kind of think that every what 200 years or something, the great empires seem to last something like that period of time. That may be historically true, but I don't think there's anything built in. No, it, baked it, into the the mix. It, I don't. I don't. I can't think of anything in particular. But historically, it's kind of generally the, uh, they don't seem to last much longer than that. The great empires and all, but. Here we are, and we're not Israel. We're at a different time in the redemptive narrative, in the redemptive plan of God. The Messiah has now come. The harvest is is in full uh, function. The harvest around the world, men and women are coming to the knowledge of the true and living God. And, uh, and the kingdom of God is expanded uh, vastly. Uh, we're over 7 billion people on the planet now, and, and not... Uh, and probably I've heard that we'll go to nine billion, and probably I've heard that the population of the world will probably top out somewhere around nine and level off. That's that's just what I've heard. Uh, um, We've got some big folks that want us down about under a billion. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They're in. Uh, and they seem to be working toward that goal pretty yeah. effectively. I don't know. Well, we, uh, we have the Malthus uh, thing that we can't support. This population yeah. growth, this geometric population growth. Food and water and that sort of thing, yeah. But the fact is we have, every time, with new technology, uh, been able to support the growing population across the world every time with new and improved seeds, new and improved uh, uh, fertilizers, new and improved imp- imp- uh, pesticides or pesticide uh, built into the genetics of the, uh-huh, of the uh-huh. crops. So when man determines that there's a population limit, he's, he's speaking out, not, a, not true. Yeah. He doesn't know. Well, there are a lot of things when we're <laughs> speaking out uh, and we don't know for sure how things. And, and so we have to be careful there. That's part of, the, uh, part of our job as God's people is to represent the perspective of the Creator, what God has told us, and not give in to the explanations and the descriptions of those outside who don't know the Lord, who don't acknowledge the Creator. Uh, th- that is what is generally is understood to be our, our spiritual enemy, the world. The world, the flesh, and the devil is that godless worldview, trying to explain human existence, human experience, without reference to the Creator. Uh, that is essentially what is meant when the Bible talks about the world. Uh, and, and Jesus warned us about the influence and the power of the world, uh, the kind of world without God perspective. And that seems to be where we are now in our world today is there, there are competing worldviews right now. Uh, and the the Bible is a God-centered worldview. It presents the, the creator, the, uh, and it, he has created the human race, and he's not... Uh, an absentee landlord. He didn't create the human race and then just go off to 
Tahiti or Hawaii or wherever God goes on vacation. He he stay, he's engaged. He's involved with the. He's calling out a people for himself out of the human race uh, to be his people forever. I will be their God. They will be my people. And so uh, he is. And we're part of that process. Once we have come ourselves into the relationship with God and become part of the people of God, then he is free to use us as well, our lives, our voices, our influence, to help others as well come into that kingdom. And that's, of course, uh, the role that Israel was playing uh, as a type of God's kingdom, as a picture or earthly picture of, uh, of God's purposes for humanity. So that harvest season is the number one factor. That's always uppermost. In, in, in the biblical narrative. And, of course, Israel particularly occupied a, a, uh, a specific role in that redemptive plan. They, the covenant that God made with them was one earthly in the sense that they were to be used of God to expand the knowledge of the true and living God, and through them would come the Messiah and the Savior. And, and as such, they serve as a type of the the true Israel, which is the people of God everywhere in all time, uh, that that we too are to be used as God's kingdom to expand His kingdom to help others come to know the Lord. Um, but th- through this people group, uh, Israel, the nation group of Israel, came the Messiah, uh, uh, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their lineage, and then of course through the Davidic line, as was covenanted, as was promised as well. So um, that's we're we're at a kind of a a golden moment right now in history. There are some similarities. There's a fight for power. That's one thing. There's a great deal of upheaval. There's China on the one hand. There's the Arab nations, uh, Iraq, Iran. There's Korea, North Korea. There, there's um, there seems to be a, a great shifting now in the world politics, geopolitical. And economic powers are are rising and falling around us, and the, so we're in a time of um, of change and upheaval. And this nation of America, founded as it was on on this book, the Bible, and and uh, the redemptive plan of God, it, it was heavily influenced us in our founding as a nation, and uh, we seem to be kind of abandoning that experience and that. Uh, influence, not entirely. Of course, it, the the uh, we, there's still a, a great deal of respect for the biblical worldview, a God-centered worldview for the Bible. Uh, there's still some residual respect for that, for our history and our legacy. But at the same time, there's a lot of folks that have forgotten it, or not aware of it, or even oppose it. And so we are a nation as well that's divided and and uh, about our history, about our, our purpose as a nation and so on. So there are similarities uh, about the, there's a power struggle. The, a great deal uh, seems about everybody that seems to be the one of the big characteristics of our culture today is uh, the, the struggle and the desire for power, uh, which, I mean... I guess in a nation like ours where you govern through the consent of the people and the vote of the people, um, I guess that, that's the battle is on. The struggle is on to see who, what worldview will prevail 
in our land. I, I, I don't know if you have a view on that, Dr. Al or Stacy. Uh, do you think we're going to pull out of this? Will, will there be a revival and a return to these founding principles, or will we continue the, sort of the downward spiral? Maybe you have a thought on that. I'm not very optimistic. Hmm. I am, uh, as a student of history and lived it for now 74-plus years. Uh -huh. uh, We've seen some amazing things in this particular <laughs> lifetime, right? In 1962, I was still in high school, and we got a ruling from the Supreme Court that school prayer had to be eliminated. And this was the most innocuous prayer, the Regent's Prayer from New York, uh -huh. was a, a non-sectarian prayer. It was to God. When it was ruled uh, inadmissible because of the, quote, separation of church and state, which does not exist anywhere in our writings, um, we have been on a downward trend every since, ever since then. Madeline Murray O'Hare created the American Atheist Association. Famous atheist leader. Uh -huh. And so she was in Austin, and I, when I was a student there at uh, UT, grad student, I had the opportunity to look at those steps that said portion of this a word and the truth shall set you free from John 8.32. And I thought to myself, boy, I hope she had to see that every day. <laughs> but we, we, we went away from school prayer, then we couldn't post the Ten Commandments, and now we've got this continual movement away from God. And it's permeating all of our secular institutions our politicians, our Washington, D.C., everywhere, there's this strident movement against God. And when you bring it up, well, wait a minute. What would be wrong if we actually observed the Ten Commandments? Wouldn't that be a good thing in our society? Well, you can't demand that. Okay, I can't demand it, but wouldn't that be good? Well, at a certain time, wasn't that one of the great emphasis as well, people trying to remove, and I think it's successfully done in some cases around the country, that remove the public uh, uh, display of the Ten Commandments even. Uh, was That was part of this tumultuous period that you're talking yeah, about as well. Judge Roy Moore in, in Alabama, the Supreme Court, ended up being on the, the Supreme Court justice, personally bought or had made the Ten Commandments as a, a monument and taken into the state capitol or into the Supreme Court thing. And so that brings out the ACLU and Right, all those, sure. All of those folks who are against God, uh, they couch it under the separation of church and state, but that's not the issue. They're against God. And so I'm not optimistic that we can pull out of this mess. Uh, I don't know that God is interested in pulling us out. He wants us to pray, and I'm sure he would be delighted to uh, give a revival to our country. Mm -hmm. But I don't see that happening. I don't see a, a, a genuine desire for that. Yeah, broadly across. But uh, on the other hand, what would be the key to that happening? Stacy? maybe you have a thought about this. I, I'm, I'm convinced that God isn't distracted by the world and by the fact that, that, that they don't want to honor him, worship him, obey him, and trust him. Um, God's focus is on his people. We are the key uh the people and we are the focus. I think that the destiny of our country lies in the hands of his people. 
Are we going to humble ourselves and pray, as it says in Second Chronicles seven fourteen, humble yourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways so that he can hear our prayer and heal our land? Uh, in that sense, I kind of think we are the key to what's going to happen. Are God's people going to turn to him, humble ourselves, and, and, and meet those meet those mm, requirements for God to grant and send revival and awakening to the land. I, I don't know. Do you have a thought on that, Stacy, about where we might be? You're in a you're in a whole near whole different generation uh, than uh, um, Dr. Johnson and I. You're, you, what, what do you see from your generational perspective? Yeah, I'm kind of encouraged is that I do believe that God, um, I mean, I, I don't know that his people are in the majority, but he does honor and he does recognize even a remnant. Um, right. And, I, and you know, you think, think of takes, Sodom and... I, I don't think it takes a majority. I, I do think you're right. Mm-hmm. It, it's always been about a remnant. Uh, God mm-hmm. is all, so And I do believe that that is there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been praying... For, I mean, what, I mean, you know, sometimes I don't think we really pause to celebrate, hopefully, what is just around the corner, which would be the reversal of the Roe v. Wade decision. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, that that's that's huge. That's a really, really big deal. Very significant. <laughs> and it doesn't yeah. feel like it in a way because there's so many other things that have kind of come in since then. That, but I think that. I mean that's a hard you know that's that's even even for women um and men i mean that that um you know are are staunchly pro life it it still is a very it it take it is a, a it is the right thing to do and it's a le- it is a little bit of a leap of faith i mean right. children are a, it's you know, having children, it 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 changes your your whole world. It gets turned upside down. It's a bit, and to be able to to turn from that and say no, even though you know because of medical technology, even though we could do this, we are going to say that that is not right. We are not going to do that. And to choose, and I, I know, of course, it'll be sent to the states, and then the states vote on on it. But um, I do believe there would be a number of states that would choose that would vote. You know, no, we are not going to allow that. And uh, and I think that that's. I think God would would recognize that and be so pleased and honored by that. And um, and I think that in turn, women, men. I mean, it will in turn just be a healthier immediately kind of a healthier Mm -hmm. like a fog will be lifted um i don't know maybe i'm putting too much on it but you know you you see it and and it doesn't necessarily mean economically we're going to be okay or that but i I when you look back to as our nation when we turned away from slavery when we said when we emancipated i mean that was probably crushing in a way economically and it was a hard thing to do but we did the right thing (laughs) it was a new birth of freedom and i feel like this is kind of that same we are on the brink of a new era a new birth as a nation we went wrong we're going to correct that and um and 
Yeah, I think that'll be, and I, right now it's sort of that kicking and screaming before it maybe actually happens. <laughs> but I think if it, if it really does happen, I, I think that's a huge answer it is, to it is so many years of prayer. Yeah. And um, so there's that. And then, um, yeah, and I think, it, and, and you know, when you look at Chronicles, kind of bringing it back to Chronicles, one of the, you talk about, um, uh, uh, I'm going to mispronounce her name, um, Athaliah. Athaliah. Uh-huh. Yes, Athaliah. You know, one of the distinctions about any um uh, any empire that eventually failed, um, it seems to always somehow go back to sexuality and to babies and to children. You know, there there seems to be something and and a uh, not a respect for life. And uh, and she was a worship. She has wanted to use her power to establish the worship of Baal. Uh-huh. And Baal was the god, of, you know, the god of fertility and sacrificing children to what yeah. is to Mar- Mardoch. Mardoch. Yeah. Um, and that's the, I feel like once you've reached that point as a country or as a nation or as an empire, that is the beginning of the end. I mean, you can't go and be killing your children or killing your family and, and, and be okay and be healthy. Um, and so it, as far as Chronicles, I mean, you see even how that plays out sure. in, in, in that storyline. And so here kind of for us as a nation, it does feel like we're sort of at this, we are at a crossroads with Roe v. Wade and, um, and that'll be, I, I, I pray, you know, we make the right, decisions and then and then let and and then let God um work in us in that um and experience the blessings of of a right decision even though it will be hard um or the consequences of you know not a right decision but I don't know I I'm I'm kind of yeah it's, I am it's too. a it's a hard time but I also am kind of encouraged um yeah by that that's There's where a we lot are of there, there, you got these, that's <laughs> where we are we have these conflicting uh, voices the conflicting powers uh, the conflicting uh, policies and so on and and uh we're will god's people mm-hmm. rise up be faithful in this moment to pray to seek god's face right to influence mm-hmm. at every level we can in our families in our neighborhoods communities to the harvest is that they, I'm convinced, at least personally, that the harvest, <laughs> how a nation contributes to the harvest, is key. That that is on God's heart, and and yes, there are things that God does for morality's sake, and the killing of the children, sacrificing them to Baal, was one of the the final straw that broke Israel's back when they compromised yeah. on life itself. But. Um, we are there. The book of Chronicles is very practical to us, and uh, there are a lot more applications and observations we can make about that time period and the time period we have. Our winner tonight is going to be, we're pulling it out right now. Give the us Bible a Live is dedicated to helping us. Our winner in our drawing tonight of this brand new The Warfighter Study Bible is... Alan, Alan is going to give us a call. We, I'll give you a call, Alan. We'll get that study Bible into your hands this coming week. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. See you next Sunday. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station.
Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live Broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.